Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1473. What you are will show in what you do. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and so excited today because I'm in Auburn, Indiana, talking with Brandon Anderson. Brandon Anderson is the executive director and CEO of the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Automobile Museum. He earned his BFA in Historic Preservation and Architectural History and a master's degree in Museum Studies. His past positions include time at the History Museum in South Bend, Indiana, Tryon Palace Historic Sites and Gardens in the New Bern, North Carolina, the Theos Edison and Henry Ford Winter Estate in Fort Myers, Florida, and the Telfair Museum of Arts in Savannah, Georgia. He's been all over the place. He is on the board of the National Association of Automobile Museums, the Historic Houses and Sites Network of AAM, that's very cool, and the Kalb County Visitors Bureau and the Auburn Cord Duesenberg festivals. That is a mouthful of marbles. I'll be back in just a minute with Brandon, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars Yeah possible. Winter's here and things can get a little messy. Rain, snow, salt, mud, dirt, and everything Mother Nature comes up with can hurt the finishes of your vehicles, both inside and out. I'm not worried though because I've used Covercraft car covers on my rides since 1975. Today, Covercraft offers you a total solution to vehicle protection. They make the best fitting, finest made car covers in the world and offer a wide variety of materials, colors, and options that protect your paint and the interior too. Live where it's sunny all the time? Lucky. Covercraft dash covers and sunscreens are the best. Got pets? Messy kids? Messy in-laws? Or just messy friends? Covercraft seat covers are the perfect fit and the perfect solution for keeping your seats looking new and don't forget their custom fit floor mats and trunk liners they are a must-have for all your vehicles your cars trucks van or whatever you drive will say thank you and i've got a deal for you during january 2020 you can get 10 percent off plus free shipping on all covercraft products that's right go to covercraft.com and use the code yeah 120 that's y-e-a-h 120 at checkout that's covercraft.com and use the code yeah 120 at checkout Hey, Cars Yeah! Race fans. Andy Collins, owner of Armadillo Racing, is a past guest here on Cars Yeah! Last year, I was honored to be a speaker at his high-performance racing seminar. And having attended, I can tell you it's an invaluable learning experience if you love to race. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Armadillo's high-performance racing seminars, and it takes place Saturday, February 8th, in Tacoma, Washington. For your seminar fee, you'll spend a day with four of racing's premier professionals on how to improve your driving and much, much more. This year's outstanding speaker lineup include Jacques Delari, Ph.D., world-renowned high-performance driving and life coach, Jeff Braun, a race engineer with a history at Core Racing and IMSA, Ross Bentley, top driving coach, author of world-renowned Speed Secrets and a fellow podcaster, and Dan Davis, retired director of motorsports, for Ford Motor Company. All of these incredible racing experts are past guests here on Cars Yeah. As an added bonus for Cars Yeah listeners, you'll get to join these speakers at the Friday night reception at the incredible LeMay Car Museum 
for free. That's right. It's a $50 value if you sign up by January 15th. What a deal. Go to Armadillo Racing's website and register. That's armadilloracing.com. All right, Brandon, we are back. I've got my tongue going in the right direction here. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. Let's put her into gear. All right. I love it. Uh, Tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and what you're up to these days uh, before we jump into the questions. All right. Sure. So, um, well, I've been uh, the museum director and CEO for about the past year and a half, came on board in July of 2018 to this very significant and beautiful top-of-the-line museum. So I have varied interests that include, as you heard, historic preservation and architecture, art, design, uh, museum work and professionalism, historic automobiles and their collection and the history that they represent and showcase, including design, innovation, technology, artwork. It's just a, a really, really dynamic field to be in. Oh, absolutely. And I love the fact that you also love old architecture. My father was an architect. He taught me during my uh, many years of growing up an appreciation for architecture and uh, what it's all about, and especially old architecture and the significance of keeping these old buildings around. I have a good friend here who's a fellow car enthusiast in Tacoma who lives in a, oh, let's see, what do they call them when the state or the city comes in and says they make it a, a national place of being. I think there's some term for that, perhaps. You probably know better than me. Yeah, there's a couple. It can be on the uh, National Register of Historic Places. Uh, it can, it. And actually, our museum building uh, that, that we are in is from 1930. It's one of the greatest examples of Art Deco architecture in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. And it's not only on the National Register, it's also named a National Historic Landmark. So that means wow. uh, the federal government and the U.S. Secretary of the Interior um, deemed this building a important to every United States citizen. Oh, it's great. Yeah, fantastic. His house is that way, although he did find out that once your house gets on that register, it is very hard to do anything to that building. You have to go through a lot of hoops, but there's a reason for that because they want to preserve these magnificent old uh, structures. Before I jump into my first question here, Brandon, tell our listeners maybe one little thing about yourself that very few people may, may know about. Well, uh, I thought about this, and of course, with this audience, I thought I would share a unique story from uh, when I was very young, and that I was responsible for my first automobile accident when I was only three years old. Oh, uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> Here and, we go. <laughs> uh, t- <laughs> so what happened was, well, so I've always, automobiles are ingrained into the heritage of my family, and uh, my dad was needing to move a couch from our house, and he asked to borrow one of his friend's pickup trucks that happened to be a recently restored 1951 International Harvester. And I used to love getting in cars and playing in them. And well, I got into this car and it was backed up to the house and we were on a bit of an incline there in the driveway. And I started messing around with the three on the tree and there was uh, no emergency brake set. So I popped it into neutral and I slammed into the tree right across from the driveway, actually killing the tree. And about out killing my father after he found out that I had done that. So the neighbors uh, came and brought me back to the house, and I was just bawling. I thought I was going to be killed and just die. And uh, but <laughs> it ended up being okay. I'm I'm still living to this day, though I can't live that down. But my dad did call my mom. She was away, and uh, he said, "Well, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you." The good news is we don't have to worry about Brandon having his first car accident. The bad news is he just had it. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Well, you know, at a, at three years old, you really can't blame the three-year-old. You got to blame <laughs> right. the, the parents for not paying attention. Uh, if you'd been six, seven, eight, or nine, yeah, we'd probably have to send you to the barn. But uh, wow. Well, I'm so glad you're okay. I mean, and really, and not to make light of what could have been a horribly tragic situation, and we hear this about children being left in cars and children being left in cars and the car rolls away and down a hill and over a cliff and oh my gosh. So I am so happy that you're still with us, but uh, that does make for quite an interesting start to your story here on Cars. Yeah. Now, it begs me to uh, to ask the question. I'm sorry, but have you had any accidents since then? Unfortunately, I have. I haven't been responsible for another one since oh, I was okay. in, in uh, since I was in high school. Oh, I actually okay. had two accidents in two days, uh, two oh consecutive gosh. days. I should have told it. That's another fun story for another time. Um, uh, yeah, there have unfortunately been a few accidents, but um, I'm I'm okay. Well, good. I'm glad you are. Be careful out there, especially with some of those wonderful cars that you have entrusted to you. Well, let's start your story here on a lighter note and talk about a great mantra or success quote, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Brandon, take the wheel. As you shared, I worked at the Thomas Edison and Henry Ford Winter Estates, and Thomas Edison is known for many of his quotes. And uh, there's one that is particularly stuck out to me, and that is what you are will show in what you do. To me, that just really is a reflection um, on us as individuals and in our uh, personal lives and also in our careers and just taking pride in what you do, doing the best that you can um, and really always being at the top of your game and doing what you can do. Yeah. Well, it's a great concept. And, you know, I hear this over and over again, especially when I have guests on the show that are fabricators or stores and so forth. Why is there always enough time to go back and redo it and do it right, but there never seems to be enough time at the beginning to do it right the first time? Uh, that's a great way to think about your quote there. But yeah, you know, when you're, when you're going to do something, take pride in it, no matter what it is. My dad taught me that as a kid. He always said uh, from the first time I had a job, he said, you know, when you go and work somewhere, pretend like you're the boss. Treat that place, that facility like you're the boss. If there's a piece of trash, Even if they have someone that picks up the trash, you stop and pick it up. Uh, Treat every job, every place you are like it's yours. And to this day, I think about him. I can't walk through an airport without kind of hesitating when I see a piece of trash and not picking it up and putting it in the trash can. Sometimes you don't want to touch the stuff that's on the floor at an airport. But, um, But it just has kind of stuck with me. You know, it's just it goes back to doing the right thing. Absolutely. Well, my dad always uh, ingrained that into me as well, and definitely the picking up the trash and being proud of your ownership and what you do. Um, and right. uh, yeah, so it's a great, great lesson to learn. Yeah, sounds like we both have had great fathers in our lives. Well, tell us what has you excited right now. We're in a new decade, 2020. I mean, I can't believe 2020 is here. It's kind of frightening for me that time is flying by so fast. You're a lot younger than me, so you've got some time here, but I keep thinking, man, that the clock just keeps ticking. It's relentless. What has you excited and fired up about the Auburn Core Duesenberg Automobile Museum this year? Well, there's actually, you speak about it going into 2020, and there's a lot of great things that are happening here, including a lot of anniversaries. Uh, 2020 is the 120th anniversary of the Auburn Automobile Company. And uh, so we'll be celebrating that at the Auburn Core Duesenberg Festival and also have a theme of women behind the wheel. So we will be partying throughout the year, celebrating that history. A full year of partying. I like that. 
<laughs> Along with it is the 100th anniversary of Duesenberg Motors. Wow. And yes, and that's a really big one for us this year. Oh, yeah. And actually, uh, we just received a donation that really has set that off for us and really allowing us to showcase that history. Uh, we just received the first ever Duesenberg passenger vehicle from 1921. It was ordered prior to that by uh, Mr. Samuel Northrup Castle, but it's been in the Castle family since it was delivered to him in Hawaii. And this is the first one, right? The this is the car. first one. Yep. It has stamped yeah. 1001. The first one, wow. Model A, first passenger vehicle to have four-wheel hydraulic brakes. Uh, it's got the racing history with uh, the Duesenberg brothers, of course. This was before E.L. Cord came into the game and he acquired Duesenberg. He made it Duesenberg Inc. and hired the brothers. Um, it's got a bender body on it that was custom made for Mr. Castle, who was about 300 pounds and seven feet tall. Oh my uh, gosh. So, yeah, it's a very interesting body. But so this vehicle has been in the same family's ownership since Mr. Castle took delivery till December 29th or 30th of 2019. That's got to be some kind of record. It, it has to be. It's uh, it's definitely the only Duesenberg. So we are celebrating that also this uh, went through a 10,000 hour million dollar restoration. So the car wow. was brought back to its 1921 appearance because when the Model J came out, uh, the advances that had happened there and that, of course, being under E.L. Cord's time, they wanted to update the car. So they sent it back to Indianapolis to have sure. um, Duesenberg work on it. Well, the family wanted to bring it back to 1921. So it was done and uh, many components were handcrafted, recreated from only about four historic photos that exist of that vehicle. Wow. So to celebrate that in a very big, big way, uh, we are going to be debuting that vehicle in Boca Raton, uh, February 7th through the 9th at the Concorde d'Elegance there. And they are celebrating the 100th anniversary of Duesenberg. And we're going to be there with that anniversary uh, with the first Duesenberg. And we'll also be there with our Model X Speedster, the only one ever created and the only one in the world that we own. And then a Model A chassis. It's an operable show chassis. So mm -hmm. we'll have three Duesenbergs there and really be front and center for that Concorde. Party indeed for yeah. Duesenberg this year, the Aubrey Court Duesenberg Museum. Oh, my gosh. This is so exciting, you know, and to have that first car donated. What a wonderful thing for the Castle family to do. I mean, to preserve a vehicle like that is so historically important. And the history, and I mean, this is the great thing about car people. I mean, car people are fantastic. And the folks that have the ways and means to preserve these kind of cars and to donate them, uh, you know, God bless them. I mean, this is really fantastic. Why you thought this career in auto museums and history was right for you. Is there kind of a point in your life and you went, this is what I want to do? I, I think your history probably is you've loved old things for a long time now. Yeah. So I grew up, my family um, always said that I was an old soul. And as long as I can remember, it's really historic architecture that sucked me into history. I remember just being a little kid as far back as I can remember and just being driven around in the back seat and just be gawking at old buildings. Uh, so my family completely supported that and, and my interest. 
And ever since a very young age, we would travel and be able to stay at uh, historic B&Bs or definitely go on history tours and check out museums. By the time I got into high school, I, I knew that I wanted to do something with history, definitely with historic buildings and preserving that history. It wasn't until I started volunteering at the local history museum where I grew up when I was 15 years old um, and giving tours of a 38-room mansion um, and then being hired on at 16 years old and working there through uh, the rest of high school that I found out that museums were my love and that was a calling for me. That is what I was meant to do with the rest of my life. So I'm very fortunate that I found that early on. Yeah, it's tremendous. Have you had a chance to travel a lot in Europe or other countries that are much, much older than the United States? Unfortunately, I haven't. I have done some traveling. I have been to Australia and to some other places, but I haven't been to Europe yet. So that's oh, definitely on the list for me to, to go. go. Oh, my gosh. You have to go. I remember the first time I went to Europe, I was absolutely blown away at the age of everything. And I should have known that. I studied a lot of art history in college and knew of these structures and things. But when you go there and you see a building and you stop and think how much older that building is, even as older than the United States, um, because everything, many things there are so old and were preserved so well. And then you go to Japan and you see some of the old structures there and you think, oh my gosh, think how long this has been here. I mean, before Columbus landed <laughs> on the shores, oh, yeah. you know. And the it's pride of their incredible. heritage and preserving those. And, and it's amazing. I mean, I've you know, seen photos, of, but looking just at some of those staircases, for example, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, you can see where everybody walked and just kind of the ruts that are there. And it really makes you step back and just think of over all those sometimes thousands of years, what happened in those places? I know. Uh, that's got to be a big part of it for you. I mean, you walk over the threshold at Notre Dame. And it's stone, and you see how it's worn away. Mm -hmm. All the steps. It's just, you have to, it just is mind boggling, mind boggling. What's the favorite thing that you do in your career these days? What really, if you, I'm sure there's a lot of parts and pieces here, but if you had to pick one thing that gets you so happy every day, what would it be? Well, I'm going to take that, and if I can maybe make that not just one, but two. So there are a lot of, I have a fantastic job. I love it. Um, and there are a lot of different working components to running the museum, which I'm I'm very passionate about. But uh, what people would say, kind of some of the perks of the job, every day I try to go down into the showroom and just be in the showroom and just kind of take it all in. The showroom is just it's a 12,000 square foot Art Deco masterpiece. It's just dripping with the ornamental plaster, six foot tall Italian chandeliers, terrazzo floors. It's got the vehicles in there. It's got the marks of Auburn Court and Duesenberg along the windows. And there's a just a very significant feeling in that space and surrounded by Auburn's Courts and Duesenbergs in there. And seeing the grand staircase, speaking about walking on stairs, you know, where Eel Cord and Gordon Burig and Alan Leamy and all of those significant individuals climbed to their offices every day, made important decisions, made important designs that transformed the automotive industry. I just, I feel humbled and blessed to be in the space and be responsible for it. And then the other major perk of the job, of course, is being able to drive the vehicles. Just getting them out and around town or taking them to shows and, oh, it's just, it's absolutely a dream. Dream come true. Very, very fine. Well, there's 
One secret sauce to life is find something you're passionate about and figure out how to have a career in that. That's what Cars is all about, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Branded has figured that one out for sure. Let's take a quick break, thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Edelbrock has been the name in automotive performance since 1938. Edelbrock designs and builds thousands of the finest automotive performance products right here in the USA for both street and track. From their AVS2 carburetors to V6 superchargers, if it's more power you crave, Edelbrock delivers. Let's talk superchargers. Whether it's an application-specific system or a universal fit, their precision-made assemblies come in multiple stages for a wide variety of makes and models. Their V6 superchargers are dyno-tested and ensure the perfect fit and maximum horsepower torque plus added boost. You'll get huge power gains. I mean huge power gains. Quality construction you can trust and backed by decades of knowledge, Edelbrock is a brand that provides you with proven performance. And I've got a deal for you. This January 2020, you can get 10% off, 10% off if you use the code CARSYEAH at checkout. Just go to edelbrock.com and use CARSYEAH, all one word, at checkout and get 10% off. Tell them Mark at CARSYEAH sent you. That's edelbrock.com, checkout code CARSYEAH for your 10% off. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. All right, Brandon, we are back. Now, we talked about the joys and wonders of your job and what you get to do. However, I'm guessing you've probably bumped up against a challenge or maybe even a failure along the way in your career. I'd love for you to share that with us. But more importantly than visiting a difficult time, what was the lesson learned out of that experience so you can move forward in a positive way? Sure. So I thought about this and what would be a good failure story. We all have them and hopefully we grow from them. So one stuck out to me thinking about museum work and something that I found that I felt like I failed and I had to grow from it. And I believe that I did. When I was working at one of my sites, unfortunately, we went through significant state budget cuts in the tune of millions of dollars. And those millions of dollars really paid for upkeep of the buildings uh, to keep the site open and to keep the site staffed. This was also at a time we just opened up a new 60,000 square foot, $60 million new facility as a history museum. I was working 
full-time. Uh, at that time, I was director of education and interpretation at the site. And at that time, I was also a full-time grad student uh, doing my museum studies uh, graduate degree. And so a lot to take on at the same time, but then add on these budget cuts that were happening and having to figure out how to operate the site, how to staff the site. And then unfortunately, we had to do some uh, planning on full-time staff levels of uh, reduction in force. So as a department head, had to look and submit my plans to the director, and then that had to actually go on to the state HR department to look at the plans for uh, who would be riffed from the site. And uh, the individual that uh, was riffed from my department ended up suing the state. And I was involved in the lawsuit because I was the supervisor. So I was at a time where I'm a full-time grad student working full-time at this museum, going through budget cuts, and then being involved in a high-level lawsuit of an individual against the state and being named in that lawsuit. That was all kind of uh, new to me, and it was a lot to take on. Um, So what I decided I had to do, I could not continue that semester in grad school. I had to give something up, and I couldn't give up my job. That was a spring semester. I was probably eh, maybe not all the way halfway through the semester, definitely not at the point where you could get a refund, (laughs) and uh, decided that I, I just had to stop that semester, and I felt like a failure. That, you know, I I pride myself on being able to take on a lot, do a lot, and do it very well. And like we talked about, have have passion and ownership over it. And I felt like I failed because I had to stop something. But through friends and family and just addressing these issues head on, I did take that semester off. Um, I did go back to grad school, obviously, and retook those classes. And I I got back on the horse when I had to fall off of it. So I guess the, the parting of that and kind of my thought at the end is it's okay if you have to do something and it might make you feel like a failure, but you're not actually failing. Sometimes you have to take up new challenges to be able to address things head on um, and just get up and try, try again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say sometimes if you're digging a hole, you have to know when to stop and crawl out. In your case, you were digging a lot of holes and had to figure out which one to get out of because you had too much dirt flying around. So Well, it doesn't sound like a failure in my mind on your part in any way, but I understand how it would feel in your way because you had a plan, you had a course. But, you know, there's the reason I ask this question to my guests is to just show there's always light at the end of the tunnel. There's always a way to move forward in a positive manner. And uh, sometimes life throws us a lot of curves. So we got to figure out which balls to catch, which ones to drop and pick up later. So kudos to you for coming back and completing your schooling. Bravo. That's very cool. Well, Let's talk about a story that instigated the passion you have for cars. Maybe not three years old crawling into a car, but uh, (laughs) trying to drive away. Uh, But maybe more a pivotal moment when you knew you're going to be this car guy that you've well, um, I guess I'll, uh, funny enough, I'll start before I was three years old. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, my father actually put his way through law school and prior to law school, uh, working at an auto body shop in northern Indiana, um, Carl Weiss in South Bend. 
And uh, he, he started out there just helping out, I believe it was around high school, and then evolved and learning and working on the vehicles and then became a master body man and being able to paint, work on those vehicles. So when my dad would go into the body shop, he would take me and my bassinet to the body shop. So I, I kind of <laughs> grew up there. So that kind of my olfactory senses when I go into a place that's a, like a paint shop, for example, yeah, it feels like it home comes to me. Back. And uh, so, and then going up from there. So when I was old enough to be able to kind of walk around on my own, I would go into the cars again. Here I am playing in cars again. And I got to the point where they had to start taking the keys out of the vehicles and putting them on the hood, or I'm sorry, on on the roof of the car so that I couldn't turn the cars on or or (laughs) lock the cars or lock the keys inside the car. So, oh no, I guess I was a little hellion there. I'm surprised they allowed my dad to take me anymore. But uh, <laughs> it really, uh, when I was in high school, my dad and I had uh, the first opportunity to actually really work on a car together. I had worked with him at Carl Weiss a little bit, you know, just on the weekends and just being kind of the cleaning crew with him. He would do the work and I would kind of clean up and do what I could do. But finally, when I was in high school, uh, we were able to work together. And uh, the first vehicle that we had worked on was a 1983 Datsun 280ZX. And so we did all the body work on that vehicle together. And that um, there was just, uh, again, overwhelming sense of pride. It was a great connection with my father, being able to do that at a pretty young age. And uh, and kind of like I shared, automobiles just are in the blood of my family, always have been. So I was fortunate, too, that my father because he liked cars and I like cars. We had a lot of different cars. <laughs> so probably let's, uh, uh, let's see, I've probably owned um, probably about 19 cars or so. Um, and I'm in my thirties. You're not a very old guy. How old are you, Brandon? Uh, I'll be 34 in February. Yeah. You're a young man. So um, <laughs> especially from the side of the fence I'm staying on. Uh, well, it, that eighty, that eighty three two eighty ZX is that kind of your first special car story? Is that the car that stands out for you, or is there another one? There's another one. So um, I, for some reason too, I've always loved Volkswagens. Still do, um, yeah, and own a lot of them. And uh, currently, actually, have two. I have a twenty nineteen Jetta, and then I've got a seventy four Beetle. And uh, but the one that stands out to me is the one that I learned how to drive stick on when I was 12 years old. Uh, and that was a 1973 Super Beetle convertible. And so we had a kind of a large property in Northern Indiana and what we had a lot of trees and a lot of acreage. And we would, during kind of cleanup time after the winter, getting ready for spring, clean up all the brush and uh, create all these piles and have bonfires. Mm-hmm. Well, doing that, you, of course, what's the great thing to do along with that on Indiana Farm? Beer. Yeah, go drive. So, so, oh, beer. Oh, oh. <laughs> beer. Now we're introducing trouble. As if your life isn't already tainted with a little challenge here. Uh, now we're so, adding alcohol to the mix. This is not so, going to end um, well. So since we were out, you know, in the woods and kind of a little far from the house um, and I was learning how to drive stick on the Super Beetle, what I would do is that I would take the Beetle, drive up to the house, load up the front trunk with some beers, bring them back 
to the property where we had everything uh, and where things were burning and we were cutting things down. And then that kind of just became, uh, we still joke about it, my dad and I, the little beer mobile. But that was also the first car that I learned how to drive stick on and 12 years old, kind of young, which is great. And little did I know that being able to learn how to drive stick or finally being able to, that would actually advance into my career and uh, into my adulthood. Very cool. Very cool. That's fun. My kids were real young. Uh, we would go up and hang out at a house where there was kind of a farm and they had a 73 Beetle. And so my son, when he was eight, we put him in there and said, hey, why don't you learn how to drive across the field? <laughs> and he couldn't reach the pedals. So we had to kind of put pillows and blocks of wood and stuff so he could figure it out. But he kind of figured it out. Those are those are cool cars to uh, for a young person to learn how to drive. When he really started learning, uh, I threw him in my 72 Porsche 911S, and that's the car I would say he really learned how to drive a stick shift in. But he did drive that 73 back when he was eight years old. So uh, I just remember that I told him, don't let go of the wheel. And I was sitting next to him, and he's going over this this little roadway, and he had to kind of turn left. And I said, turn left, turn left. And I grabbed the wheel and started twisting it because he was going to go down this little cliff. And he didn't let go of the wheel, so I had his arms all twisted up. and. And he goes, Dad, you're hurting my arms. I go, let go of the wheel. And he said, you told me not to let go of the wheel. <laughs> so, yeah, he was a good listener, that's for sure. Well, here's a very very introspective question for you, Brandon. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself manifested into an old car, I'm figuring this is going to probably be an old car. What would Brandon be and why? I thought a lot about this one, too. And you're not going to be surprised that it's either going to be an Auburn Accord or a Duesenberg. Okay. But I think I would be a Accord 810. And the reason that I think that is because I feel I'm unique, uh, full of personality. I'm also quirky. Um, Sometimes I'm outright stubborn. And I also overheat very easily in the warm weather. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I like the way you thought of that. You know, the Cord 810, I mean, what an innovative, amazing vehicle. I mean, that vehicle had so many firsts when you think about it. And they're they're really stunning cars. And of course, Art Deco. Oh my gosh, can you get any more Art Deco than that car? I think it was, was it, uh, if I'm saying his right name, Gordon Burig designed that vehicle? Yep, that was Gordon Burig's. We actually, one of the photos I sent you of myself is with Gordon's Cord, that he, uh, his personal, uh, that was an 812. But yep, I mean, Gordon was just an absolutely amazing designer. Alan Leamy was another great designer. I, when you look at the Auburn Automobile Company um, and the, the creation with Cords and Duesenbergs, it's amazing what came out of this place. Uh, this this small little town had global effect and just set the automotive world on fire. And those cars back when they came out in the 30s, uh, they were like $2,000, $3,000 cars. I mean lot of money back then. I mean, but they were just so innovative and, and so cool. Well, that's neat. I like that. Accord A10. Love it. Well, Brandon, we are up to the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick answers, kind of blips of that Accord A10 throttle. Let's try not to overheat though. So here we go. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Sure. I believe it's just always keep improving and learning, doing better, and listening. So um, I, I really take the listening part in. I, you know, there are great people around me, 
and their input is uh, greatly influential and just always want to do my best and be my best. And that reflects my personal life and also my work life and uh, representing the museum and making the museum the best that it can be. You know, I had uh, Jacques Delara, who's a performance coach on the show just yesterday. And uh, it's one of the things he said is uh, learning to be a very good listener is an important part of being better in all things you do. So I'm very happy to hear you said that. If I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Well, again, instead of just one, I'm going to ask you if you wave that wand and can make it two. Because oh, I can do that. No problem. Okay. <laughs> uh, the two I want to spend time with together are Eel Cord and Vincent Bendix. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, two greats. Absolutely. How about automotive advice? What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? You know, there are some great articles in the Auburn Core Duesenberg Club newsletter that specifically relate to Core 810s and 812s, probably L29s as well. That just, uh, again, kind of my quote about being quirky, having personality and stubborn. Uh, <laughs> probably some of my favorite ones are, if it doesn't work, get out, shake it, get back in, and it'll work. <laughs> we were just talking this morning about a new computer I got that has been giving me grief. I'll just pick it up and shake it, and I'll let you know how that works. Yeah, let me know. Let me know what Apple <laughs> yeah. thinks about that, too. Okay, I will. Yeah. Nice. How about a, a resource out there? Is there a resource that you think our listeners uh, is a good go-to, something that you go to maybe on a daily basis? Could be an app, a website, a supplier. Maybe it's a person in your life. Yeah, uh, well, uh, obviously, we want to promote the museum and all the wonderful resources that we have, including history. And we have just recently completed putting all of our Auburn and Cord photographic archival collections online for people to be able to search. And we're working on the Duesenberg collection right now to get those online as well. So if you check out our museum website at automobilemuseum.org, Learn more about the museum. We've got the history on there. Uh, if you want to take a look at the photos and just peruse them just to see how cool they are, uh, including old advertisements or some Hollywood or just even parts and components of the vehicles, you just go under the collections tab and then you'll mm -hmm. find where uh, you can access our past perfect online. There you go. Yeah, I tell you, I've had many, many museum directors, curators on the show and museums are just a Incredible resource for you uh, that I encourage people to utilize those. That's why these things are documented in there for you to, to enjoy. How about a book? Is there a book that you've read you think our listeners would enjoy? Yes, and kind of goes to my uh, wanting to spend time with Cord and Bendix. Um, I, I just love the story. I consider both Cord and Bendix the Howard Hughes of the Midwest, and probably even greater than that. Uh, one book I, I really enjoy and was recommended to me by uh, one of our board and collections committee members right when I was hired to learn more about the story here uh, was Eric Loban Cord, His Empire, His Motor Cars. And that is a fantastic resource uh, just to get in the mind of Cord, the Cord Corporation, the interesting things with the Securities Exchange Commission, Airmail, Stinson. It's amazing, his story. And it's uh, it's inspiring, too, and kind of eye-opening and intriguing, too, when you get into some of the legal legal issues that you'll find in there. Absolutely. Sounds like a fantastic book. I'll have to get my hands on that. I don't believe I have that book in my uh, automotive library. We are up to the checkered flag here. Oh, before we go there, though, let's take another uh, quick break. Thank our sponsors because they have the people that make this show possible. And we'll be right back. You take care of your cars. 
But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. All right, Brandon, we are back. I kind of jumped the flag there, but that's okay. Uh, the sponsors are important. That's what makes Cars yeah possible. The checkered flag, I like to call this. This last question can be a bit of a doozy. Ah, you like that, don't you? Yeah. I'm going to buy I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today. Even if it's in your museum, I've got the ways and means to park it in your garage. But you can't sell this car to fund the rest of your life. So you got to live with it. You got to keep it. You have to drive it. No garage queens, but I don't think that's a problem for you. But it's the only one collector car you can have. That's what makes the question a little more difficult for a few people. So if I could buy you a car today, any car in the world, what would it be? Well, I hope that also include, includes money for upkeep. Oh, of but, course. No problem. It's, <laughs> it's, money is no problem here at Cars. All right. Yeah. That's great. Well, I hope you've got about $22 million oh, to dole out. Ouch. Okay. And that's for Gary Cooper's Duesenberg SSJ J563. It is the first American supercar, 400 horsepower, supercharged engine, uh, beautiful legacy, beautiful car, original details, and obviously uh, we know that last year it sold for $22 million and is yes. just gorgeous. And I would, if I could have that in my garage and drive that around, that would be awesome. Well, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, they just sold last year, like you said, for $22 million. So the new owner, it may be hard for me to pry from his hands, but you know what they say about cars? They're always for sale at the right price. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's the case. I tell you, that is a beautiful car. I've seen that car. It's stunning. You would look awesome in that car, Brandon. So I will get to work, all right? All right. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You've taken us on a wonderful ride today. You know, I always love visiting museums, and uh, your museum is probably one of the best, most elite in the world. Thank you for sharing your journey. Could you give us one little parting piece of Wisdom or guidance before you don your Gary Cooper clothing, jump in that Duesenberg and ride off into the sunset. Well, I would just like to say uh, continue to grow, add to your story, and never stop writing it. Ah, great, great. What's the best way, again, for our listeners to follow along with you and learn more about the museum? Well, check out our Facebook page. Our handle is ACDAM1974, or you can just Search Auburn Core Duesenberg Automobile Museum and our website at automobilemuseum.org. Automobilemuseum.org. Absolutely. It's a wonderful place. If you well, make a special trip, you know what? Maybe this summer, a family road trip, get out to the museum. You'll never forget this visit. Plan a whole day, maybe two days, maybe three. There is a lot to see there. It's a wonderful place. You can go online to see a lot more uh, at the website there, automobilemuseum.org check it out. Brandon, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing so much of your life with us. Even the scary parts, I think it's been fun. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. 
Well, thank you, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!